0: Gene
1: Steinberg. We're here with our friendly neighborhood co-host, Chris O'Brien, who is now labeled as friendly in neighborhood, but he's not in my neighborhood unless my neighborhood is 120 miles away. A virtual neighborhood. Would you go for that? Hey, we've both been uh, in the deep freeze this week, boy. Yeah, it got down to the 30s in Arizona, where I am, which is the Phoenix area which is rather unusual because normally here, the temperature, even in the winter, can be 70 degrees. But now it's 44.
2: Right, you broke some records. We did right. too. Uh, its a, I tell you, I, I know the show's coming on, uh, you know, about five days after we actually tape it, but but last week uh, was by far the coldest I've ever experienced uh, below, you know, the Mogion Rim. Uh, I mean, it was in single digits here on Blow Sedona. So much for global
1: warming. Well, you know, part of what global warming is, and by the way, our guest today, Stan Friedman, does not believe in global warming. He's co-author of a book called Science Was Wrong, where he disproves that. Maybe we'll mention it in passing, although we did that when we had Paul Kimball as the co-host and we had an episode with him and Kathleen Martin on the show a few months back. But part of global warming is allegedly, I say allegedly, okay, is allegedly extreme climate changes. Right. Climate extremes. It's not just being warm or warmer. So there you go.
2: Yes, the the superorganism we live on is a self-regulating
1: entity. Right. And if it gets sick and tired of us, well, it's going to say... Bye-bye, humans. Someone else has to take over. Or get in a bar fight with an asteroid. Yeah, that could happen. Or, you know, right now we might be, if Stan Friedman is right, just, you know, a place where they come over and have some entertainment.
2: There you go. I like that idea. There's a lot of entertaining people on on this planet, and we strive to be entertainment, but we also strive, as I think you will um, agree. We strive to separate the
1: signal from the noise. Let's talk about noise, okay? Now, I don't know about this one, but I've made an effort to try to get to the bottom of it without much luck. There was a letter that was received by a number of people claiming that Butch Witkowski, who's a high muckety-muck in Pennsylvania's MUFON organization that he has some serious legal problems. Now, Butch was a guest on the PowerCast in January of 2010. And he seemed to have a pretty straight-up story, a lot of interesting information. But then we get this letter. And I'm going to just tell you a couple of the things that were charged. And the reason I am is because I asked, in the interest of being fair and balanced, I wrote to Butch, I tried to call him, And I said, would you answer any of this? And he says, no, he's taking his research private. He will not answer anything. Now, Uh I don't know about you. (laughs) Oh, no. Now, these charges supposedly emanate from the investigations of a private investigator who's involved in UFO research. Of course, that doesn't mean they're all correct. But, you know, I think someone with charges of this nature ought to be answering them. We're talking about charges such as that Butch Witkowski was a convicted felon involving issues of fraud, that he was never a police officer, he wasn't a homicide investigator as he claimed, and that his experience in the military, in the Marines, was very brief and not, shall we say, terribly pleasant or, shall we say, honorable. So, you know, we have a lot of serious claims here, a lot of serious charges that I think have to be answered. Pretty yeah. serious charges here. I don't claim to be anything. As I said in the previous episode, I am a professor of ignorance. I don't claim to know anything. I'm just a talk show host. I'm curious about the paranormal. I've been around for a long time, and I hope I have some life experiences that may be of benefit to our listeners. I also am supremely skeptical, so I hope that asking the right questions will help provide illumination. So we have this problem. Butch Witkowski is being accused of being a fraud. Okay? Okay. Yeah. So I said, okay, no is, problem if that uh, is the issue. Hey, you know, if I was accused of being a fraud, I would want to take the opportunity of answering the charges.
2: Yeah, I I, I mean, at least put the rumors to rest if that's what they are. Uh, I think a non-response is, Tadamont, to agreeing or put in some sort of, of relevance to the claims, uh, and I, I you know, I hope that these rumors aren't true for Butch's sake, and if they aren't, I think he should very quickly put, put these rumors to rest.
1: Now, I gather the people at MUFON are kind of taking a hands-off approach here. They're not touching it. I tried to get an official comment from Clifford Clift, who is the international director, who will be on the Paracast in the very near future as a guest. But it sounds to me that he doesn't want to touch this. And certainly, you know, if someone deceived them, the MUFON leadership, you know, I can understand that, you know, I can understand, you know, look, it's not his fault. We were all fooled. We had him on the power cast. We thought he was a straight shooter and he had a pretty good story. And as I said, the door is open. If Butch wants to come on the power cast or just write me or talk to me, he has my phone number. And discuss the issues, discuss what these charges mean, and provide some information or evidence that they're false. We want to clear the air. I'm not yeah. about to say, you know, this guy is deceitful.
2: Yeah. Well, but the law's in his court. So
1: it really is. But I had to mention it because it's in our forums. Therefore, it's a public issue. Therefore, tens of thousands of people have seen right. the claims. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you go? I hope this is not another Bill Nell incident. Remember Bill Nell. Uh-huh. He's still active, by the way. We had Bill Nell, who lasted some 30 minutes on the PowerCast with myself and David. We were on the show, and we asked him some very simple questions. And in class- 30 minutes, classic he bailed. classic episode. <laughs> classic episode. In 30 minutes, Nell bailed. We had Frank Warren, who has been investigating him, And evidently, his crimes, I guess, aren't serious enough for the authorities, the federal authorities, to really go after him. You know, they're looking into it, but, you know, I guess people who are involved in crazy fields like the paranormal, even if they pirate videos, even if they deceive people as to who they are and what they've done, it doesn't matter to them. So there you go.
2: The Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> that syndrome.
1: We get no respect, no respect at all. <laughs> there you go. We have someone on the show this week who gets Who does respect. get respect. Oh, I'll tell you. Gets a lot of respect. Probably, I call him an elder statesman of the UFO field because he's been doing it for so long. Not that we always agree with what Stanton Friedman says. But, you know, he has a lot of interesting things to say, a lot of deep investigations. He's been there. He's still around. He started off as a scientist, a real scientist, a nuclear physicist. So he's not somebody who's unaware of science. He's worked on a lot of projects that unfortunately, I guess, didn't come to fruition, such as stuff to improve energy. You know, we sure need that now, you know, especially with the price of gas going up. To over three dollars a gallon, they're talking of 350, 375 before long. So maybe Stan Friedman, as the elder statesman in ufology, should go back as a nuclear physicist and see if he can do something about it.
2: Boy, we we could use the help, that's for sure. I don't know if I could afford to keep filling my hog truck at five bucks a gallon.
1: Get yourself a Hyundai. There you go. That's it. Sell it, <laughs> get yourself a Hyundai, a basic Hyundai, which is not very expensive. Yeah. But yep. we're not going to mention that for very much longer, except to say they also have a sister brand called Kia. You get those cars for, what, ten, fifteen thousand dollars 15000 They get thirty-five, forty 40 miles a gallon. And we're going to have to do that, you know, because there is an energy crisis. We might disagree about global warming, but certainly there's an energy crisis. But the topic of this show, this episode, is not about the energy crisis, unless it relates to UFOs. It's about... All the work that Stanton Friedman has done? My co host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. time. That's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com
3: are you wondering about your retirement portfolio are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates taxes and inflation stop guessing and go to the expert robert chapman of the international forecaster when you subscribe to the international forecaster you get robert chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else for a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178.
4: Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeCig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30 day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea! For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870 518 4307. That's 870 518 4307. Ask for fast, free, same day shipping. Order online at LeCig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L E C I G.com. LeCig for today's modern smoker.
5: Question. What would you rather drink? Acidic water which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass or alkaline water which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776.
6: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN, great talk radio starts here.
0: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com
1: Returning after a few months we have Stanton T. Friedman I call him one of the deans of UFO research he's been doing it for so long our co-host is Chris O'Brien I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast and the last time we had you on Stanton is with Kathleen Martin we were talking to you about this book called Science Was Wrong Yes Without Going much into that, because we're covering largely UFOs in the session, do you think that the fact that we've had a pretty cold, nasty winter is more proof that global warming is a fantasy in your mind?
7: Well, you you don't need that. When you review the evidence put forth by the warmists, whatever you want to call them, (laughs) I can think of other terms, you say that it's the global warming thing is nonsense. Uh, Certainly in England, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They've given a very hard time to the meteorological office, which has said on several occasions uh, worries about tough winters and lots of snow are a thing of the past. We don't need to worry about it. So ask the people who were stuck at Heathrow. They weren't planning for because, you know, we don't get snow. Uh, snow is a thing of the past. Yeah, the the winter has certainly, uh, and there are plenty of people around the country who have found it. it's already been a harsh winter but we have to separate, and I keep trying to get people to do this. There are two different questions. One is, does the climate change? And yes, by definition it changes. Now, no two winters are the same, uh, no two summers are the same. Uh, so yeah, and there are trends. We tend to forget that the Earth goes through natural cycles, 11-year cycles and 60-year cycles and El Nino, and you know, there's a whole bunch of things going on that vary from year to year. Uh, The second question is, if there is a warming period over a certain period of time, is that caused by man? And especially, is it caused by evil CO2? And that's the question that's easy to answer. You know, what all those other things we're sorting out now that we can make measurements of what goes on from above the atmosphere, what goes on with the sun, and we're finding that the so-called solar constant isn't constant at all, (laughs) the output of the sun... (laughs) Um, the Evil CO2 is where the nonsense comes in And you'd never know it from listening to these guys But CO2 isn't the biggest greenhouse gas uh, Water vapor is by a great deal And then there's methane, there's a bunch of others Secondly, we want some people want to classify CO2 as a pollutant Well, you better tell all the farmers of the world That uh, you're going to take away what's necessary for plant growth If you take away CO2, so it's not a pollutant Uh, As a matter of fact, if the level were to go a bit higher, and it has been higher in the past without dire consequences, then, you know, you're you're goofing up. You're really fouling things up if you say, well, we just got to get rid of CO2. So we're taking credit for man being all powerful. If he would only cut back on evil CO2 emissions, everything would be great. And, you know, that's hogwash. Plain and simple. And I've looked at a lot of the data. I've read several books on from with the other point of view, and it's funny how the press has finally come around to recognizing, oh, there isn't a total agreement that uh, you know, CO two is evil and we need to stop it. And there's another part of this, and that's the political part, the financial part. To listen to some of these uh, Al Goreists, Goreites, I don't know what the right term
2: is, Goreys. Um,
1: <laughs> Ooh <laughs> no know, uh, all right, I'll dig that the, the
7: Western countries, the advanced nations should have to spend hundreds of billions of dollars giving it to the poor nations because we produce so much c o two and we are evil, and we should subsidize alternate forms of power production like solar and wind. And, you know, that's a lot of poppycock. Uh, for one thing, the only reason people have built all these uh, wind towers and solar places is because of subsidies. And Germany and England and other places have cut back on the subsidies and they stopped building them because we're paying more for power produced that way. Somebody has to pay the bill. But well, isn't there the also an
1: issue of- here where oil is not infinite? It's a finite source. We need other sources of energy, don't we? I mean, you're oh, well, that's, a nuclear that's a physicist. Different question.
7: Sure. That's a different question. And sure. And if you look around, you'll find that there we're building many more nuclear power plants are in the process of being built. And at some point we'll get to the point of using breeder reactors which uh, keeps the, the benefit of uranium way up there. There's no question that it would be nice to get rid of uh, pollution. It would be nice to get rid of uh, the bad things that come out of power plants. N- nobody's denying that. The kicker is that we have enough, we're finding new. Uh, as a matter of fact, the whole question of uh, natural gas has changed drastically in the last three years because of shale gas. And there's a real boom, and the price is coming down. We're talking economics here. And so. That we should replace these with nuclear power plants, that we should use solar where it's appropriate, wind where it's appropriate. Of course, no, no question about that. And look, I live in California. Boy, there's an awful lot of sunshine out there. <laughs> yeah, most are yeah, the here lot. in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little warm down there, what, 115 in the summer on a bad day?
2: <laughs> what blows my mind is you fly into Phoenix, you look down, you don't see any solar panels. Uh, to me, it's ludicrous. Uh, it just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And
7: well, they're expensive. It, uh, is one of the reasons that, that there's, a, there's with-
2: tax breaks. There's all sorts of incentives here uh, to to uh, go with a a greener sort of electrical situation. But one of the things that I wanted to point out before we get off this climate change uh, quick uh, conversation is a lot of people forget that when we have a massive volcanic eruption, the amount yeah. of of, of, of gases and carbon and everything else that's spewed into the air, dwarfs the, the total output of the Industrial Revolution. I mean, when Pinatubo went and some of these uh, larger ash volcanoes go, uh, I, I mean, it, it dwarfs what humans yes. have put out in the last hundred years. Oh, you mean years. man
7: doesn't control everything? <laughs>
2: right. So anyway, I, I think it's, um, you know, the Gorys are, are – it's it's more of a, a form of a uh, of a belief system in a in in a religion really at yeah. this point, and I think it's 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 a reaction to the uh, to the oil companies' uh, stranglehold on the industrialized nations, and it, it, there's a lot of I think uh, societal and political elements
1: that are involved in these conversations, but but we are going to
2: be talking about other things today, aren't we, Jane?
1: Oh, yes, we have Stanton Friedman here, not to talk about global warming, although I wanted to mention it just because of the extreme nature of the weather and all that stuff, and certainly that was important. You guys
7: get any snow down there? (laughs) uh, We
1: actually had some flurries in the Phoenix area. (laughs) and in Las Vegas. And you know what happens in a place like this? You get even a couple of sprinkles of snow. Everybody goes crazy. They're not used to it. So suddenly, unless they're coming from the east, from the snow belt states, whatever, if they live here and experience that, what happens, very simple, the cars just go off the road. There are tremendous numbers of accidents, but let's not have an accident today. Let's just focus <laughs> on UFOs and what's happening in the UFO field. Our guest, Dan. I mean, we're Fre- not going to
7: shock people so that they go off the road?
1: <laughs> well, you know, oh, we yeah. might anyway. We'll do that. We've done that on the PowerCast every so often in nearly five years, and We're not against doing that, but in the interest of information. Yes. Stan Friedman joins us. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
8: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space,
9: This message starts with a great offer from Big Berkey Water Filters because we don't want you drinking dangerous water one minute longer. Right now, purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of two Berkey sport bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or our new site glass spigot absolutely free. Why do this? Because over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated and at less than 2 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify both treated and untreated water, removing dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and other contaminants. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, so they're perfect for rainwater collection systems and emergency preparedness. Remember, Big Berkey includes free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit B-I-G-B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's Big Berkey or call today 1-877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y.
13: This is Alex Jones with five good reasons you should consider buying a solar power generator. Number one, new climate legislation could easily double or triple your electric bill. Number two, our new energy czar wants to control how much power your electric company allows you to have. It's true. Total government control of electricity in the name of smart grid technology is coming. Number three. In some areas of the country, the power grid is dangerously overloaded. And now new socialist legislation is only compounding the problem. Number four. Dangerous weather is always a threat to local grids. Every year, thousands of families lose their power from weather-related outages. Number five. A solar power generator provides powerful backup, insurance, and peace of mind. Folks, I really believe in the solar power generators offered by Solutions from Science, one of my oldest sponsors. You can get more information at www.mysolarbackup.com. That's mysolarbackup.com. Remember, the government doesn't own the sun. So go to mysolarbackup.com or call 1-877-327-0365.
6: On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network.
0: This is the Paragast. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: The timing is just perfect how we do that, Stanton. Basically, Chris and I work as two arms on the same being (laughs) with two heads because we keep fighting in the same room. No. No. No, we have been, though. We did a show with Antonio Huneus
2: down at Jeans actually, one of my early shows. I think this is about my, what, 38th or 39th show with Eugene. We're almost 40.
1: Yes. And, you know, we give you a gold watch if you get to 72. (laughs) Okay. See if I can survive
2: the dean of ufology.
1: Well, you know, Stan, I think, deserves more than a gold watch. You know, he deserves (laughs) many gold watches. And now with gold being worth $1,400 an ounce it's going to be expensive to buy that gold watch, stand.
7: Hey, let let me throw something at you about that. Okay. Um, I was reading recently, I used to use as an example, that the question about UFOs is not, are all UFOs alien spacecraft? The question is, are any? I say, after all, I used to say, gold is worth mining if there's a half ounce of gold per ton of ore. Well, that's in the old days. I was reading recently, you can get economically useful returns getting a gram of gold per ton of ore. Wow. And, you know, well, a gram is worth about 34 bucks. So, you know, if you know what you're doing when you're moving the ore around and the chemicals that you use to extract the gold and so forth. But but that's the point about, you know, if UFOs, uh, what do I care if 80% of the sightings can be explained? So what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you take the dross, I'll take the gold. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. So are the UFOs here to get some gold?
7: Well, you know, that's that's not as uh, dumb a question as you might have intended it. I
1: right? didn't expect it to be maybe half serious, but
7: Well, we'll that's go what, that.
2: that's what Sitchin, Sitchin's whole thing is predicated on that that whole motivation. Well, uh,
7: you know, the whole question motivation, why did large numbers of Americans go West Young Man in 1849 and to California and to Alaska in 1898 and to Australia after that? It wasn't to have dinner with the Indians, to start a new Thanksgiving uh, appreciation night or whatever. It was for gold, damn it! <laughs> and- what I shock people by saying, "You know the Earth is the densest planet in the solar system, and I mean the people that's probably true too, but uh, the Earth itself, a cubic foot of Earth weighs more than a cubic foot of any other planet uh Saturn is so light if you had a big enough cup of water, you could float Saturn on it with a specific gravity uh water is one gold is nineteen, they say heavy as lead Malarkey, eleven's only a uh, lead's only eleven point three but we do have, the, the impact of that is that we have more heavy metals here, and heavy metals are rare in the universe, be, relatively rare, because it takes a while for them to go through a supernova here and over there, supernova someplace else. you got to build up from hydrogen, and you get to the high atomic numbers, high density materials, and you got to be around for a while. So when you have things like rhenium, osmium, uh, platinum, rhodium, Tungsten, gold, uranium, these are all very heavy metals and they're worth one heck of a lot of money uh, to us, and they have certain special properties. Some of them are very high melting, very high strength materials, resistant to oxidation. So, you know, a cubic foot of gold uh, it is worth an enormous amount of money. <laughs> you, know, you don't need something huge, is, is what I'm saying. Uh, it may very well be that they're also uh, robbing, no, mining, that sounds much better. The asteroids, which are lots of iron and nickel, the bottoms of the oceans have lots of minerals, sometimes in very almost pure forms. Uh, we don't mine them, we should. Cobalt and uh, a whole bunch of other metals down there, they're almost like nuggets, but, of course, we use the bottom of the ocean for hiding nuclear submarines, which have nuclear weapons on board and ready to respond if somebody sends one in the direction of the United States. There are diamonds, for example, uh, off the coast of Africa that washed in through the rivers, from the rivers, you know. There are plenty of reports, I don't know whether you've had Carl Feint on or not, talking about unidentified submerged objects. There are plenty of reports of, I'll call them vehicles for want of a better word, zipping around under the water and some of them coming out of the water and flying. Uh, Maybe they're scooping up the goodies from the bottom of the ocean. And, you know, I also shock people. I ask, you know what uranium was used for 100 years ago? Uh, No, Stan, what? We weren't making atomic bombs back then. No, it was used as a yellow glaze for table pottery. That's illegal
1: now, incidentally. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you a fast question here. Now, I'm the popcorn thriller Independent State. The one thing about here is that basically it was about this race of creatures who basically brought their entire civilization with them, took over a planet to, of course, basically exploit their natural resources. The question being, of course, here is, so if we have this race or one or more races of creatures here from other worlds, Are they going back and forth, or are they bringing their entire civilization here to this galaxy, to this universe, to this solar system, to this planet, whatever?
7: Yeah, I'm talking about our local galactic neighborhood. Within 55 light years, there's a couple thousand stars. That's enough reach for me. I I don't see any indication of that. I do see an indication of uh, space carriers. The analogy I use is we have huge aircraft carriers, the Navy does, and several countries have them, not just the United States. These are nuclear-powered, mind you. They're, oh, what, a quarter mile long, almost, something like that. They carry 75 little uh, gasoline or kerosene-powered airplanes, which don't do well on the water, but do fine in the air, where the aircraft carrier doesn't move. But the interesting thing is, of course, that the nuclear-powered carrier can operate for eight years without refueling. In other words, it's an entirely different propulsion system than is used by the airplanes that it carries. So if you look at the UFO scene, we know that there are, I'll call them motherships, that maybe that sounds more something or other than space carriers. but uh, So it makes sense that between the stars you have the space carriers, which carry a whole bunch of little Earth excursion modules, as I like to call them. Nobody else calls them that, but I think of the lunar excursion module. You know, the business end of the 365-foot-tall Saturn V vehicle is a little old command module <laughs> when you get down to it. Uh, and they work. It, it doesn't really have a propulsion system on it. We take advantage of Mother Nature. Once you take off, you know, you throw the rocket away <laughs> once you take off from the moon. Uh, and you got to be smart. You've got to get the direction right when you're coming back into the atmosphere. But you got two essentially different systems. So we have reports of people seeing little craft coming out of these huge monsters. I don't think we're dealing with them moving their civilizations here. It may be, uh, you know, they've done something wrong. They're given duties spent two weeks near Earth. That's punishment to last a lifetime, you know. <laughs> Who knows? But I I think there's a more important reason for them uh, being here, if you will. I make only one assumption about every advanced civilization. It's concerned about its own survival and security. It seems to be a universal, everybody we know. That being the case, you have to keep tabs on the primitives in the neighborhood. But only close tabs on those primitives who show signs of being able to bother you. And if you go down through history for, say, the last 2,000 years, there aren't big differences in the technology. Yeah, okay, sailing ships, it took uh, three years for Magellan's ship to go around the planet. And there's Jules Verne talking about 80 days, and now we have the spacecraft that go around in 90 minutes. But the point is that at the end of World War II, there were three obvious signs to any aliens who'd been watching how this planet changed after 1900. Remember, the first flight wasn't until 1903, all of 112 feet. Uh, Not exactly a high-powered airplane. We didn't know about DNA, we didn't know about the atom, the neutron wasn't even discovered until 1932. We were good at killing people, but we didn't know a lot about how the universe operated. But then comes World War II where people threw a lot of money at advanced research and development, uh, mainly in better ways to kill people. I mean, uh,
1: don't want anyway. to kill our sponsors because they're waiting to have their say. Okay. We, we have Stan Friedman, co host is Chris O'Brien, and I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
14: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Fordian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free.
15: All types of batteries for all types of gadgets. We'll say it again. All types of batteries for for all types types of of gadgets. gadgets. Electronics, toys, flashlights, computers, accessories, and more are at BatteryStation.com. Whatever type battery you need, alkaline, lithium, gel cell, NICAT, metal hydride, sealed lead acid, and more are at BatteryStation.com. Our homepage gives you quick access to ham, marine, police, fire, and aviation batteries. Plus, choose from our great selection of LED flashlights with no bulb to ever burn out and much longer battery life. Find many top brands, including Streamlight, pelican surefire novatac gerber and more at batterystation.com you'll also find the most popular brands of ammunition and watertight cases for storing guns food electronics survival gear and more at batterystation.com call 417-257-7799 that's 417-257-7799 you will be surprised when you visit batterystation.com
16: Men, take control of your prostate health without the risk of nasty side effects with Prostate Secure early detection, regular prostate exams and PSA tests are a must for men over 40. Listen, if you have symptoms of an enlarged prostate but don't want to take a drug with possible nasty side effects or if you're over 40, then use Prostate Secure, a natural dietary supplement for men. Prostate Secure is a scientifically formulated blend of clinically significant amounts of natural ingredients. It brings together the most powerful plant sterols like beta sitosterol and saw palmetto, along with antioxidants such as vitamin D3, resveratrol, and lycopene to support good prostate health, proper urinary flow, function and more. Check out prostatesecure.com. Order online and save 10% with promo code SAVE10 or call 1-800-239-9432. That's 800-239-9432 or visit prostatesecure.com. Take control of your prostate health naturally with Prostate Secure.
6: America's number
16: one source for independent talk radio for
6: over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
17: Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast.
1: We have Stanton T. Friedman. And we're talking about why they might want to come here to see what we're doing. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. So therefore we start developing all this technology, particularly the German scientists, as we all know. And well, they
7: would have paid attention, but the big time, the big change came with the war and after the war. Remember, there wasn't any radar around before the World War II started. Uh, Americans seem to think World War II started on uh, December seventh, nineteen 1941. Sorry, I live in Canada. The Europeans and Canadians were involved in 1939, at least.
1: Well, that's because uh, we're very peaceful. jingoistic yeah. <laughs> here in the United States. We like to think that we are the beginning and end of civilization.
7: Maybe the end right now. uh, Let's not talk about that part. But anyway, there were three signs at the end of the war that soon these idiot earthlings. And I say that, and people raise an eyebrow or two. And I say, look, we killed 50 million of our own kind. We destroyed 1,700 cities. Is it unfair for me to say idiot earthlings? Anyway, there were three signs by the end of the war that soon these idiots would be able to move out. Uh, The first was atomic bombs. The amount of energy contained in a pound of uranium is vastly greater than, (laughs) you know, in kerosene or whatever, TNT or anything like that. Uh, Secondly, we have rockets, V-2 rockets uh, that the Germans developed. They were on their way to a V-3, uh, you know, the next age up. And they weren't used to deliver mail from Germany to England, although people have proposed using rockets for that purpose, but uh, they were used for killing, destruction. And the third thing was the beginning of the electronics revolution. Radar uh, was the first big step, and we threw a lot of money at that, and it didn't take long after the war before we went into miniaturization and transistors and, you know, everything that followed after that, computers, all that stuff. Okay, isn't it amazing that the only place in the entire world in July 1947 where you could study all three of these technologies was southeastern New Mexico? First atomic bomb uh, was at Trinity Site on the grounds of the White Sand missile, missile Range, which is where we were testing to capture German V 2s. We got a whole boatload of them, and where we had our best radar to track those V 2s because sometimes they went the wrong way very embarrassing when a couple wound up in Mexico, you know. they were supposed to go north, not south. So what I'm saying is that I think the best word I'd use for reasons for alien coming here is to quarantine us. Uh, No civilization out there would want a society like ours, which can't get its act together, which this year will spend over a trillion dollars on things military and... On every single day uh, this year, uh, 30,000 children will die needlessly of preventable disease and starvation. Uh, That's a weird planet, and nobody out there would want us out there. So I I think uh, there's another part of this, too. Every advanced civilization will know that there can be natural catastrophes a supernova, for example, or a little old asteroid comes crashing down and beats the heck out of the planet. Call it nuclear winter without the nuclear, you know. The dinosaurs were here and were powerful and they're not here anymore. Quite possibly, be, probably, because an asteroid came and darkened the sky and if nothing's growing for a year, the the dinosaurs don't live very long. <laughs> So what, I, what I'm getting at is you can think of a dozens of reasons for graduate students to come here that do their thesis work on the development of a primitive society. There's a chapter in Flying Saucers and Science in which I list over 20 reasons for coming to planet Earth.
1: Well, let me but ask I, you I, one question here. Sure. One serious question that is a specter in this room, which is, of course, abductions. Mm-hmm. Because there seem to be quite a few. If you listen to Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs, for example. David Jacobs, yeah. Sure. They're doing this right and left. Loads and loads of people are being abducted. Jacobs feels they're creating a hybrid race. Yes. So where does that theory of the graduate students coming to earth, how does that fit in with abductions, especially extended, prolonged abductions with lots of people?
7: Well, I don't know about extended, prolonged abductions with lots of people, but I do know of cases like the Betty and Barney Hill case, which is discussed, in, of course, in the book Captured by Kathleen Martin and myself. Uh, I think the abductions fit very well within the notion of grad students. They've got a job to do. We, we send out guys, explorers, uh, to the north you know, uh, attach a little radio device to the polar bears. So would you believe it sends signals to a satellite which sends signals back to some researcher off in a nice warm place? We're abducting animals and we catch and release. That's what we call it up here. The fishermen have policies some places. And remember, we are a very, very diverse species on planet Earth. Yeah, but the question I'd
1: ask you here is, how many animals or how many humans does E.T. want to capture and release?
7: Well, I don't know. I, I have not talked to the commanders of that division, but I'll tell you something. When I was in high school a very long time ago, I cut up a frog. And everybody else in high school biology cut up a frog. And in other schools, other places, loads of frogs being cut up every year. How many of you need to cut up before you know something about a frog? It was a teaching experience. Uh, it wasn't a massacre. So we're frogs, yeah, just
1: not being done. cut up. Or if we are being cut up, we're being reassembled.
7: Well, and remember too that now we can determine a great deal about DNA, for example. And if I had said that 60 years ago, you'd say, "What are you talking about? Well, what's DNA? You know, it wasn't known, and we certainly didn't know how to analyze it. I mean, I'm in awe of the fact that you can take a cigarette somebody has smoked, take the butt and get enough DNA from the saliva that was on the cigarette to identify that person, that's truly remarkable. And if I'd said that 60 years ago, you'd have said, this guy is certifiable, Hang, lock him up someplace, he's nuts. Well, now, of course, it's part of
1: popular culture. We have CSI, we have the various, we still have Law & Order series where they take the DNA and they know everything about people.
7: Yeah, well, what I'm saying is, aliens presumably know a lot more than we do, but what if they are looking for certain characteristics uh, which they can input into, maybe they're planning on setting up a colony someplace, they need certain characteristics. Let's see, we need somebody who's smart, who can breathe this kind of air instead of this kind of uh, atmosphere, et cetera, et cetera. Who knows what they're hybridizing for? But you would but think I'm that
1: hybridization is, is possible.
7: Sure, it's possible, whether it uh, should be done or not. you know. Another, maybe, you know, it may well be that this is the devil's island of this corner of the galaxy. They dumped all the bad boys and girls here, and they're looking for that nasty gene. How come these idiots, you know, are so nasty to each other? Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. When you go to Australia, they take great pride in that many of the ancestors of the people who were there now uh were criminals well they were many of them were debtors prison people but uh, they take pride in that so the bad boys and girls were left there and uh you know now they've got a civilization not many people but big country uh we we don't know what all they're doing here and absence of evidence is not evidence for absence in other words, the fact that we don't know what the purpose is doesn't mean there is no
1: purpose no we understand that we don't understand how you know certainly we don't understand how an alien might react because we're dealing with a totally different species we don't know really what their mindsets might be what their sets of morals their morality might be I mean
7: one of the reasons you know when you talk about their morality one of the reasons, we've heard a lot about uh, Robert Hastings and all the nukes and UFOs, you know. Uh, what people forget is that if we foul up the planet, they may not be able to steal the goodies anymore. So we'd be missing their hunting territory, if you will, their prospecting land. So they have a, may have an enlightened self-interest uh, And, you know, there may be many companies just as we're setting up new species of tomatoes and potatoes and genetically modified stuff, uh, increasing the yields, uh, how beautiful the (laughs) the fruit or vegetable is, all this kind of stuff. Uh, Genetic modification is one way of doing that. Again, if I had said that uh, years ago, oh, you mean taking sperm from a big bull and then setting up a whole herd of prize cattle? Well, it can be a lot more complicated than that, and we've been doing that for quite a while. Uh, So, we don't know what all is going on or what's behind it, and we certainly don't know what our government knows. We do know that no government on this planet wants to give up power. Uh, I I think you'd agree with that, wouldn't you guys? (laughs) That's (laughs) a good point where we can
1: say that we have Stanton T. Friedman on the show. The co host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the (laughs) Paracast.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now here's Gene Steinberg.
1: This is theoretically our number two of the Paracast. Our guest Stanton T. Friedman, and we're catching up on UFOs, a state of UFO knowledge, research, etc. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. And before Chris takes over with a bunch of questions, including questions that are being asked in our own forums, I'm going to ask you, Stan, about 2010 in the UFO field. Do you think that such events as the publication of Leslie Kane's book with it becoming a bestseller? Do you think that's helping more and more people take the subject and the research yes. seriously?
7: Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I've been lecturing for 43, oh, 44 years this year. I've only had 11 hecklers in over 700 lectures, and two of them were drunk. So people have already been taking this subject uh, seriously. But yes, I think Leslie's book, uh, the uh, nukes and UFOs press conference and the accompanying material in the press, I think these are good things. Yes, I do. And I think they're moving us in the right direction. It's going to take a while. I'll, I'll give you another something you probably don't know about. Then later this month, January 23rd, 24th, 25th, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, which is a heck of a long way from here, and <laughs> even further from you. Uh, I'm in New Brunswick, Canada, for people who wonder about such things. Another uh, time zone, the east of the Eastern time zone. Well, is a lot further east than that. Anyway, there will be the fifth annual global competitiveness forum with all kinds of, I mean, Bill Gates was at the first one and all kinds of other people. And this year, I will be one of five people in a panel, innovation and UFOs. The admission to this conference is wow. $4,000. Now that's a sign of recognition that maybe there's something going on here. I'll tell you the, the other people, Michelle Kaku, Dr. Jacques Vallée, uh, Nick Pope, myself, and an Arab scholar who I, I haven't been able to find out anything useful except he's mixed up with the UN and uh, he's a scientist. And we will have, oh, 75 minutes to do a panel. There are a whole bunch of panels, there's 120-some speakers. Last year, Tony Blair was a speaker. This year, Jean Chrétien, who was vice, uh, Prime Minister of Canada for a number of years will be one of the panelists, the head of Disney, all kinds of, it's a real all-star thing. I am honored to be there. And when a group like that uh, decides to include a topic like this, then you know, somebody is doing some thinking. Now, this is an official uh, Saudi Arabian government uh, sponsored event. And I'm looking forward to it, partly because it's going to be a lot warmer there than it is here in Fredericton, <laughs>
2: Congratulations.
7: Yeah, it, it, and I say it not to brag about me because I have no idea what led to my invitation, but to say that it's a very high-powered group when I look at the list of speakers, uh, men and women from all over the world, and that Bill Gates was in, in that first group of speakers and so forth. But it does mean some people are thinking, you know, out of the box, if you will. And uh, I, I think more will happen. I think I'm I'm hopeful that. There will be, I've been contacted by three or four different people in the last couple of months, uh, old timers who think it's time to speak out. And so I'm trying to make sure that I'm not being led down the garden path. You know, they know all about this or all about that. Well, I've heard that story before. But it may be we're just getting to the point where people are fed up. As a matter of fact, I just got, uh, just read it this morning, a survey done by a guy in New York. Or on the East Coast, anyway, and uh, it was attitudes about Roswell. They did this survey of over a thousand people, and they asked them forty-three questions. And do you believe in Roswell, and not believe, and uh, strongly believe, and, you know, strongly disbelieve? Uh, it was a complex survey, and the guys who did it, and his name was unpronounceable, and I don't have it in front of me, but it showed that. Uh, much apparently to somebody's surprise, the number of believers is very high out there and the ratio of believers to non-believers. Uh, it, a whole bunch of fascinating things. If you believe in psychic and paranormal stuff, guys, uh, you're more likely to believe that Roswell involved an alien spacecraft and there's a government cover-up and so forth. And a lot of interesting data, which will come as a shock to some people, uh, And, you know, you're never going to convince anybody about UFOs. That's certainly not my goal. There are still flat earthers out there, if you will. But the point is to have, you know, a a majority of the people think well about this subject, which I think they do already. I've never had any eggs thrown at me. Uh, Well, wait till next year. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I I realize that. Uh, Let's hope I'm still around. That's a good uh, thing But you know. It's, and let me go back to something, too, that one of the biggest problems ufology has is the noisy negativism, the nasty, noisy negativism of the SETI and astronomical communities in general. Uh, SETI, you know, silly effort to investigate and so forth. These guys are really caught in a bind. If aliens are visiting... Who the heck needs to listen with a radio telescope? And one of the problems we have with them is not only that they don't refer to the evidence about UFOs, the five large-scale scientific studies I talk about, but they seem totally aware, uh, unaware rather, of the fact that there's a huge research and development community, I know, hard to believe, outside of academia. I've had two people tell me, Hey, if Roswell had happened, they'd have had to get scientists from half the campuses in the country to deal with that. And I say, you've got to be kidding. we What do you think the Manhattan Project was? So Los Alamos had 8,000 people working there. The stealth fighter was developed not at a university, but in secret at a cost of $10 billion by Lockheed. And don't tell me about wasted money. Uh, what I'm saying is that there are plenty of R&D people who were readily available in 1947 at Los Alamos, at Sandia, at Hanford, at Oak Ridge, and a whole bunch of companies who were ready, willing, and able, and had the finest equipment. Uh, I worked under security for 14 years, and one of the nice things was that they weren't penny-pinching. I was doing experiments using expensive equipment, expensive materials, well, GEANP, Aircraft Nuclear Propulsion Department, which most people have never heard of, of course, but It existed between 1956 and 1961, I worked there for, or between 55 really, I worked there for three years. In 1958, we only spent $100 million that year. We employed 3,500 people, 1,100 of them were engineers and scientists. This wasn't academia, all the technical reports I wrote were classified. And they weren't done under university auspices.
2: Well, well, that but brings we, up that brings up the whole subject of of compartmentalization classification. Sure. How much do you think that uh, the United States government truly knows about uh, UFOs and is not disclosing it to, to the public? That's above some sort of uh, classification level for disclosure.
7: Well, remember, there are two things that are most important here: need to know, uh, and the having an appropriate clearance. Uh, having an appropriate clearance isn't enough to get you access to everything that, for example, is top secret. You have to have a need to know. I couldn't get access. When I was working on radiation shielding for nuclear airplanes, I had a Q clearance, and I read and classified abstracts about work being done by the nuclear navy on radiation shielding for nuclear submarines. But I couldn't get access to those classified reports. I couldn't get a need to know. Admiral Rickover said, nobody from the outside finds out what we're doing.
1: Especially Stan Friedman, because we're paranoid about him. I'm kidding.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the government, what I'm saying is it's not the government that keeps secrets. It's individual organizations. Uh, individual groups: the CIA, the NSA, the DIA, the NRO, the whole alphabet the Right, NI. and they're
2: compartmentalized within within each of these uh, specific organizations as well.
7: Oh yeah, so, I was going to say that's so. Just so, the so, could
2: there ever be truly a disclosure like the exopolitics people are? Uh, crowing about, I guess, uh, uh, Weber's now well, saying that uh, we're going to have an announcement by Obama, and it's just,
1: uh, it's just round.
7: Have you round heard round that round. before? I'll tell you I what, we've heard that done done all done the time.
1: Video. But, I, gentlemen, we have to hear this. We have Stan Friedman joining us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
18: Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free Whois card for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash namecheap. See you online.
1: awaits.
16: If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy to use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists to help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump outs and repairs and remove septic system stench all with a 100% success rate see what gives biosafe one septic solution the advantage over any other septic product at biosafe one.com that's b-i-o-s-a-f-e-o-n-e.com biosafe one.com or call toll free one 424 6663 that's one 424 6663 biosafe one the guaranteed bio-friendly money-saving way to clean your septic system I'm concerned
11: about food for my family in the event of an emergency. And I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation, canning the finest and dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer, controlling quality from start to finish with double-enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202, or visit ReadyReserveFoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202, Ready Reserve Foods, Factory Direct, Wholesale Pricing.
6: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
0: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about The Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes.
1: We have Stanton T. Friedman joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co host. You're in the PowerCast, and the question being, of course, we've heard from the exopolitics people and others disclosures coming yesterday, today, tomorrow, whenever. <laughs> so, what do we say about that, Stan?
7: Well, I, I'm not a fan of the exopolitics movement or of the uh, disclosure group or any of those things. I think they really don't understand national security. They don't understand the need for security. I don't want everything put out on the table. What if we've, uh, well, I'll pick two things. We figured out a better means of propulsion for vehicles able to deliver nuclear weapons, or we figured out a better means for detecting things moving in the atmosphere than, say, radar. They can cloak. We know how to cloak uh, stealth fighters and so forth that don't respond, if you will, don't show up on radar systems unless you're particularly clever. What if we de- develop such things? Should we put it out on the table where Osama can buy it? He's got the money. I don't think so. And, you know, that's another aspect of the uh, uh, the SETI guys. They don't seem to understand that there is a national security aspect. If we pick up a signal from somebody out there, we'll tell everybody. Sure, and who cares? That's very different from saying, oh, uh, landed three blocks over, abducted two people, brought them back a day later.
2: And the out. cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
7: yeah, all at the same uh, week, you know, they were serving these kids good steak sandwiches The people that were abducted. Now, look at Ice Stew. What, what I'm getting at is that I am for the world's governments making an announcement that indeed the planet is being visited. And we are sponsoring international conferences to deal with the religious, economic, sociological, and political implications of this. But, you know, there isn't anybody who speaks for planet Earth. That's what's so funny about all those. Wait a minute. No, 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 no.
2: Stephen Greer is our ambassador to the universe. So
1: Uh, you stand corrected, Stan. Stan. (laughs) Maybe it's the wrong universe. We have to ask him which universe he's talking about. (laughs)
7: <laughs> he, he, he would like to be, but it's kind of funny when uh, Paul Kimball made uh, Stanton T. Friedman is Real, a documentary for the television here in Canada, he tried to talk to Steve and wound up with nothing useful. This was at a MUFON conference in Southern California because Steve didn't, didn't want to talk about anything but Steve, uh, you know, how it goes. Well, he's been on the ships. He
2: knows, quote unquote.
7: yeah, I know. And I, what I'm saying is, I, I don't think that these movements have done a lot of good. I did. I one of the. I do a monthly column for the MUFON Journal and UFO Magazine, and I did one on Weber's book, and I was very unimpressed, to say the least. He makes all kinds of statements having no evidence whatsoever. You know that the whole planet is being run by extraterrestrials out there, power structure, and all the rest of this stuff. So uh, now there is an interesting book, After Disclosure, by Richard Dolan and Bryce Zabel, uh, which, you know, what's going to happen if there is disclosure? Uh, What will change? What won't change? And so forth. And interestingly, I mentioned that these public opinion polls uh, about who believes in Roswell. The strongest believers were Catholics which I found very fascinating.
1: You mean Jews don't believe in Roswell.
7: That's right. By comparison, I mean just because I got the research started doesn't I don't get credit for it. Well, <laughs> I, I that was one of many interesting things. A guy's going to make a book out of it and it should be fascinating, but I was surprised at the, the religious thing. I guess the idea is you can believe in an unseeable unknowable Untouchable God, and to believe something happened. There. Roswell is not so far out. Uh, the governments keep secrets, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it was, it was quite, quite fascinating. But oh, speaking of after disclosure, and Bryce Zabel, uh, incidentally, there's another event that may take place this year. Bryce's outfit. He's a Hollywood wheel. He's the guy who did Dark Skies.
2: Yeah, that was um, a very intriguing show.
7: Yeah, well, it includes some MJ12 and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, his company has bought the rights to my life <laughs> and Don Schmidt's life, and to uh, Don's book uh, with Tom Carey called Witness to Roswell, and my book Top Secret Magic. And the idea is to look at the well, the difficulties and triumphs of researchers uh, on MJ12 on Roswell. the times when things look terrible things look good and you know it'll be a combination of oh, all all the president's men and JFK how's that? dynamic strong. Who's going to play Stan Friedman? Richard (laughs) Dreyfus. There you go. Well they're working uh, as we speak on the screenplay.
1: Just think though that the actor who played Dick Cheney in the movie (laughs) W would play Stanton Friedman. That's strange
7: <laughs> uh, that would really be strange. Yeah, now that you
2: the, mention it, oh boy. <laughs> well, here's the, one for the, you, Stan. This is
7: a question. The title, let me give the title of that. It's called Magic Men. M A J I C.
2: Yeah, coined a term there. I like yeah. that. So, so uh, we're soon going to see the uh, the uh, the dramatization of uh, your 44 year career. Are they going to start out when you're a little kid and uh, wondering at the sky, and then? Uh, no, years ag- 44
7: years ago, I was a working physicist. Don't forget, I'm an old guy. Uh, that's <laughs> 44 years ago, I gave my first lecture already. I, my interest began 53 years ago. I, I don't know where they're going to start. I do know that it will include, of course, the fact that I worked under security, worked in government places, I mean government programs. Uh, admittedly, there are guys out there who say Friedman works for the CIA. He's, I just got something saying. He ends every lecture saying there ought to be a world government, which is totally untrue. But you can't control what people say it about you. You know, what you can do is do your best and hope that enough people recognize that and get on with it. If you got a thin skin, this is the wrong business Oh boy! <laughs> I mean,
2: boy, you guys know that. <laughs> ain't that the truth? <laughs> We have some questions from our okay. from our forums here that i 'd like to get to uh, there's some pretty interesting sure. ones here. you know we were talking about compartmentalization, uh, disclosure. What are your thoughts on on colonel Corso and uh, and the the involvement the potential involvement uh, it 's kind of a two part question of NASA. Uh, we have a witness that uh, for NASA that walked into a room and, and, and witnessed uh, the airbrushing out of. Objects possibly or something on on images uh, from the moon and uh, in other places. Um, what are your feelings yeah. on on the whole idea of of back engineering alien technologies and uh, it you know, ain't the whole easy.
7: Thing? That's the first thing is that uh, back engineering is not easy. Uh, my analogy that I use for people is suppose you gave uh, Christopher Columbus a nuclear sub and said, Chris, you're a great guy. You discovered a whole new world. We have a little problem here. We need two more of these. Uh, money is no object. Could you build us those, please, within the next 10 years, let's say? And I'll tell you what, absolutely- we'll see
1: what Chris Columbus will do with that admonition to build that particular invention or send him an iPhone, too. So let's see if we can build that one. Stan Friedman joins us. Chris so O'Brien's the co-host, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast.
8: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
14: Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is heart and body extract.
6: My name is Van, and I'm 68 years old, and I live in Vermont. In the spring of 2003, I started to have problems with my heart. It felt like my heart was pounding. It made me feel breathless. I tried many, many different things to try to get some help
14: for myself. Nothing did anything. Heart and body extract is very powerful, very effective,
18: and works quickly.
6: I saw one of Sharon's ads and ordered heart and body extract. I noticed a difference quickly, within days. The episodes became less frequent, and by a month, I completely vanished.
14: Usually, you find a 30-day or 60-day guarantee. Heart and Body Extract comes with a lifetime 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Call 866-295-5305, 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract.
12: and call 1-800-686-2237.
19: The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to Freezedryguy.com, click on Products, and look for the Freeze Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy Clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to Freezedryguy.com or call 866 404 That's Freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze-Dry Guy, the best you can buy.
6: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN, great talk radio starts here. This is
7: Hilly Rose, and I hope that you do. To in the Paracast because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal.
1: Stan Friedman joins us for a fast moving session. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. So, if Chris Columbus is being confronted with this advanced technology, what could he do having all the resources of the planet? Nothing, right?
7: That's right. If you gave the smartest people on the planet, let's say 75 years ago, a digital wristwatch from today, you know, a $25 item if you get a good one, could he have made another one? Not a chance. I mean, he'd have known it was a watch and he'd know there's a battery in there, but he couldn't have analyzed the chip in the first place. Even if he could, and I'll guarantee you he couldn't, he wouldn't have been able to duplicate it. So back engineering is not easy. Uh, it's not enough to say, oh, it's made out of uh, iron, cobalt, and nickel. Yeah, but what conditions were used to make it? Uh, and what little bits of impurities make the difference? And, you know, uh, uranium, uh, 7 tenths of 1% is U 235. We spent an awful lot of money in World War II trying to get that uh, 7 tenths of 1%. The uh, big facility at Oak Ridge, a mile long gaseous diffusion plant took 5% of the electrical power of the United States. That's why it was in Tennessee, TVA, to run that plant In secret, mind you, I better add. Yeah, with tens of
2: thousands of people involved in the whole, it was a huge, as a oh, whole yeah. city.
7: Many of them who had no idea what was going on. When this uh, meter shows this reading, you turn the dial, you know, you turn the handle this way, that kind of thing. Well, well are you uh,
2: calling into question, Corsos, uh, uh, particular? Oh, very much
7: so. Yeah, I, I met the good colonel. Uh, We've done uh, television shows, uh, radio shows. Um, He was a wannabe. What I'm saying is he was a nice little man, but he he was a lieutenant colonel during most of his years of service. He became a colonel when he retired. But the outfit he worked with under General Trudeau at the Pentagon had two people in it, and he was a junior officer. This was 1960. We found the other guy, except he was in the hospital, the guy who was his boss. (laughs) And he never got out of the hospital alive anyway, so I couldn't verify anything with him. But, of course, I was not an engineer or a scientist. Many people have confused the fact that the Foreign Technology Division at the Pentagon had nothing to do with the Foreign Technology Division at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I had some dealings with them back in the 60s, as a matter of fact, same time he was uh, working with his group. And they had loads of engineers and scientists. We know they got wreckage in 1947. Are we supposed to believe that the government did nothing with that until uh, Trudeau turned over a filing cabinet of pieces of wreckage to Corso to figure out what was going on? I don't believe it for a minute. But, you know, there's a question
1: here, though. We have this guy, Corso, and he has a distinguished record as a military officer. Did he just make it up? Yeah, what would be the motivation?
7: Well... Hey, I'm a dumb old physicist, not a psychiatrist. Uh, I don't understand the reasons a lot of people do lots of things. But uh, the idea was to leave a legacy for his kids, make a ton of money. The book did pretty well. I remember that uh, Strom Thurmond, who supposedly wrote the foreword for the book, withdrew it when he found out what the book really was instead of what he thought it was. Uh, that probably sold 10,000 books, you know, like banning a movie in Boston. You uh, you guys aren't old enough for that. <laughs> when they did that, that would guarantee a bigger audience for the movie. I, I don't know why. Uh, he, For example, his story about being at Fort Riley uh, on July 6th, his bowling buddy, I tipped him off that there was a box in there with an alien body in it, or a blue fluid and, and a body in it. Now, in the first place, that's a total violation of security. Uh, you would never have such a body traipsing around without guards with it all the time. I mean, one would think that guys carrying nuclear weapons components would park their truck outside of McDonald's and go in for lunch. It doesn't work that way. Uh, I asked him how he knew it was July 6th. Well, I know when I was transferred there. It turns out that was March or April of 47. So that's no answer at all. It doesn't fit with what we know about Roswell. So basically here
1: we are saying basically the long and short of it is Corso made it all up. Is that what you're saying?
7: It may have taken bits and pieces of true stories and mixed them in with fiction. I know that he wrote the... uh, I contacted the Army archives to get more information about Corso, uh, and I did. And it turned out he had been sending letters, uh, he was going to write things up, uh, looking for stuff for his book. I won't say he made it all up, Well, let me give you one specific example which he certainly made up. He signed a sworn statement for Peter Gerstin, Attorney Peter Gerstin, right there in Arizona that he had been a member of the National Security Council. That's the highest advisory body to the president on national security matters. I checked. I couldn't imagine why he would have been. I checked with the Eisenhower Library in Abilene, Kansas. I've been there. They know me. Uh, They sent me a letter saying he not only was not, not a member, but he never attended a meeting. I sent a copy of that to Peter He showed it to Corso, shouldn't we take that out of your sworn statement? Because they were going to use it to try to get his background from the government. And Corso said no. Now, that's very strange behavior. (laughs) Uh, The easiest thing in the world, in other words, for the government to say, well, this is baloney. If I could find out that and anybody else could bother to ask the question. So that's why I am dubious. Do I think he's a nasty, evil man? Of course not.
2: Well, do you think maybe he was a ringer? They brought him in to, uh, to further discredit the field by making outrageous claims that, that wouldn't stand up to scrutiny? To say you're on the National Security Council and then not be, I mean, that's easy to check. I mean, it's not like <laughs> there's nothing Well, but many
7: people, many people in ufology don't check things. You know, there's the old Robert Scott Lazar with his master's degree in uh, physics from MIT and another one from Caltech uh, in electronics. Well, let's talk, about, let's talk place. about
2: some real scientists here. How about the Skinwalker Ranch with the National Institute of Discovery Sciences going up there and chasing their tail uh, in, in, in stories and rumors have come out about some pretty fantastic events that have occurred up there uh, that seem to be uh, ufological in nature but also have a paranormal aspect to them. And I'm talking world-class science uh, allegedly is being performed up there uh, what are your feelings about where the the paranormal aspect of this ties in with the ufological question? Uh, the well, Skinwalker Ranch would be a really good example of the meshing of the two.
7: Frankly, I would be astonished if an advanced technological civilization, you know, maybe 500 years ahead of us, no less 5 million, uh, didn't have a paranormal aspect to it. I would expect them to know about telepathy, for example. I would expect them to figure out how to... The crazy thing of taking people through walls uh, or through windows without breaking them, you know, assemble, disassemble, whatever. Uh, I would expect them to know about the spirit world and life after death and a whole bunch of things, which we look down our noses on. Of course, we do about a lot of other things that turn out to be. So it's like the
2: author C. Clarke quote, any sufficient technology uh, ahead of ours is going to appear as if magic, in other words.
7: Yeah, yeah, I think that's true, and I think uh, we neglect that uh, at our peril. The thing is, we don't know everything. And I have to constantly come back to that point to people, because we don't know how to do it doesn't mean it can't be done. We right. are a very young, primitive society. We discovered the neutron in 1932, first atomic bomb in 1945. First H-bomb, 1952, and, you know, I like to scare people a little, but that first H-bomb, the fireball, was three miles wide. It released as much energy as exploding 10 million tons of TNT. In World War II, say 1942, uh, 10 years earlier, a big bomb was a 10-ton blockbuster. took a B-29 to carry that. And yet, here's something that releases the energy of 10 million tons. Now, anybody who thinks we can't use fusion for deep space propulsion, that's the reason for bringing
18: this up. I'll tell you what, uh, we'll get into law. fusion,
1: but we have to fuse some advertising messages. Coming up next, oh, well. we have Stanton Friedman. That's how it goes. <laughs> Chris O'Brien's the co host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> One more time. That's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store.theparacast.com.
19: complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209 and the Berkey Guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey Guy at one eight seven seven eight eight six three six five three. 886 3653 That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today.
17: You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal. But something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait.
18: Extend life with ExtendoVite.
11: After my second heart attack, I knew I needed more help than I had. That's when ExtendoVite came into my life. Made from garlic, cayenne, and five other herbs, I started to feel better in a very short time. My name's Don Whiskin, and I'm here because of ExtendoVite.
4: ExtendoVite gave me more energy than I've had in years. I am the only one in my house right now that's not sick from colds or flus. And I owe that all to Extendivite. My name is Rick, and I'm healthy because of Extendivite. To get your Extendivite, call 1 877 928 8822. That's 1 877 928 8822. Or visit the website at heartdrop.com. That's H E A R T D R O P. Extend
18: your life with over.
6: On air, online, and on demand We are the GCN Radio Network
0: You're in the Paracast You never know what's going to happen next
1: We're back with Stan Friedman our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. When we interrupted you, Stan, we were talking about energy and UFOs.
7: Well, yeah, uh, that's why I brought up the uh, SETI guys and they're not seeming to be aware of what's going on out there. We have operated nuclear rockets, fission rockets, operating at a power level of 4,400 megawatts. That's twice the power of Grand Coulee Dam. This was Los Alamos built that. It was tested in like 1969, out uh, at the nuclear test site. It was uh, under seven feet in diameter, twice the power of Grand Coulee Dam. That's nuclear fission. When I worked at Westinghouse, we tested one. It was smaller, but still very impressive. Now, you, I did a, was involved in a study on fusion propulsion systems. If you use the right stuff in the right way and kick particles out the back end of a rocket, having 10 million times as much energy per particle as they can get in a dumb old chemical rocket. So these guys who think that, you know, chemical rockets are the only way to go out there, folks, uh, they're still in the Magellan sailboat era of three years to get around the planet instead of 90 minutes. That's an improvement of a factor of 15,000 in less than 500 years. That'll be 500 years pretty soon. (laughs) So, what I'm saying is, we need to be more realistic about what we already know. And if we know this with such a slim history behind us of advanced technology, first flight, 1903, remember, British astronomer Royal saying space travel is utter bilge. That was one year before Sputnik went up. Uh, What about somebody who's been around a little longer, a million years, a billion years? Zeta reticuli out there is at least a billion years older than the sun.
1: So the point being, Stan, the long and short of it is that things that we put in the realm of the paranormal beyond just spaceships coming here, all these side events, yeah. it may just be because they are so far in advance of us that what they're doing looks to be paranormal, mystical.
7: Right, right. I, I think that's a very accurate representation of it, and I think we need to be humbled to realize that the change of our knowledge, the rate of change, hasn't stopped any. Moore's law still holds. You double the number of uh, transistors on a hook of silicon every couple of years, which means after 40 years, boy, does that computer on your desk look impressive. I was using a slide rule when I started working in industry. <laughs>
1: and I could tell you about the iPhone that I have in my hand now.
7: Well, yeah, now that's truly remarkable, and I don't even have one. But nobody in two classes at the University of Detroit knew what a slide rule was when I said that. <laughs> and that was less than 50 years. So, what, I, what I'm saying is any realistic evaluation of the rate of change of technology says if you throw enough money and enough people at it uh... you're going to get changes and they're going to come rapidly and we're foolish if we ignore that fact that doesn't mean aliens aren't coming here and it doesn't mean we haven't tried to learn from wreckage at roswell and other crash sites uh... it means that we have to be realistic in assessing our state of knowledge versus what we will know not too far in the future i have a great grandson He's sure gonna work. Grow up in a very different world from this. Well, here's another
2: question uh, along those lines. Uh, one of our our posters uh, on the forums has, uh, asks, uh, "What are your thoughts on Nick Cook's book on anti-grav technologies? What What do you think our level of of attainment in that particular realm is? Uh, it would be humans pretty low. Uh, pretty low. Uh,
7: I'm not as impressed on both the Nazi stuff and others. I think there are people who don't realize there's a difference between what we'd like to build, and here's a fancy drawing of it by our very sharp artists, and what we have built. Talk is cheap. Uh, production is not. And uh, I run into this all the time. Um, so you don't think there said,
2: was a Nazi saucer program that's been uh, co-opted by the U.S.? and the Nazis uh, were able to uh, attain uh, stable flight and, and the rest of it.
7: And when one of their craft came out of Argentina and crashed at Roswell, and that's the secret the government doesn't want us to know about, that the Nazis were still going strong. No, I don't buy it. And partly because, as I just said, they talk about drawings and sketches and discussions. Of course, a saucer is an ideal craft and can take off and land from a space not much bigger than itself, can move in all directions, Go this way, then that way, straight up and down, back and forth. Ideal craft. No question the Germans would like to have built one. Look at the Avro car. Canadians were building one, too. Uh, but it didn't have the propulsion system. Uh, you know, it was incapable of doing what saucers can do, even though it looked like a saucer. Uh, my well, favorite, they could barely it get it like three s-
2: feet off the ground.
7: <laughs> well, hey, that's better than none. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, so it, so you it, don't it, you don't really think that we've made uh, any significant strides uh i guess technologically in the realm of anti-grav technology even even at this point in history.
7: I don't think we've reduced it to practice that has been able to build systems. I think we have looked at magneto aerodynamic systems m a d I' like the acronym
1: well, uh, I, t- I say about me all the time m a d
7: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, I, I I did a literature search when I was in industry way back, uh, oh, God, 40 years ago. Only government documents, and that was the key word, Magneto aerodynamics. I got 900 references. This is, is not the open scientific literature. This is government reports. When you work on government-sponsored programs, you got to write reports, all kinds of reports, a quarterly, semi-annual, annual, you know, technical and all sorts of stuff. I got 900 uh, hits, if you will, 900 documents. I had abstracts for 900 documents. 90% of them were classified. This is back in 1970, magneto aerodynamics. And so whether we have enhanced, reduced the drag on your craft by ionized craft, it turns out you can control lift, drag, heating, all kinds of stuff. And I'm sure we're working on that technology. And I'm sure we'd certainly like to be able to use gravity control, if you will. But I don't think we've accomplished it yet. Remember, the only guys with dough enough to do this are the military. And once you build this system, you use it because you want to tell the other guy, hey, watch out for us, buddy. We'll clobber you if you attack us. We use stealth fighters in a war. Go for it. And, you know, every other... uh, high-tech development, if you will, we use it.
2: Well, wouldn't that be a... I mean, we're already so far ahead of everybody else with conventional technology. Wouldn't that be a case of an ace in the hole that you only whip out if you absolutely have to?
7: Well, but I would dispute your initial assumption. You know, we underestimated a lot of people. Uh, General Groves, who was in charge of the Manhattan Project to develop atomic bombs, in, like, 1948 said it would be at least eight years before the Russians could build an atomic bomb. And they don't have any methods for delivering them either. Well, in 1949, August, the Russians built their first, uh, exploded their first atomic bomb. Building is one thing, exploding is quite something else. Uh, And they had copied a B-29 that we had left over there, and they had means for delivering them. Scariest memo I ever saw. I've been to 20 archives, some of them many times. The scariest memo was a National uh, Security Council item that had been declassified in which it was stated as the early 50s. The Russians had made more progress in the development of nuclear weapons and methods for delivering them in the last 18 months than had been expected for five years. Don't think that didn't scare a lot of people. We thought they were dumb peasants, you know. They didn't have the benefit of our wonderful technology and society. They did have slave labor, incidentally, and they had some very smart people. So what I'm saying is we sit back and think we're on top of the heap. The British did that, too, in the history of the Second World War. If you look at things like Dunkirk and what happened down in uh, Asia, you know, if there hadn't been a lot of good fishermen with little boats off the coast of France... The Second World War might have gone altogether differently. The Brits thought they had a lock on it. We got better armies than the Germans, better tanks, better planes. simple matter is they didn't. Uh, Germans built the first jet engines, even though an English inventor, this is talked about in Science, was wrong, uh, even though an English inventor patented one years before a German inventor did, but they built the first one. And what a difference that would have made at uh, the Battle of Britain. So what I'm saying is it, it's easy to say we're ahead of everybody. Remember, there apparently have been crashes elsewhere than the United States, uh, you know, kind of Brazil and other places. And so uh, I wouldn't take it for granted that we are automatically ahead of everybody else in designs of weapons and defense technology.
1: Yeah, but the same problem would apply there, Stan, wouldn't it? That if we have evidence of a highly advanced technology, the best scientists we have here may only get, you know, the rough edges. You know, some low-hanging fruit and that's it. We have Stanton Friedman. (laughs)
11: Good, I like that.
1: (laughs) Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in. The Paracast. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: In the final hour, we talk about the low hanging fruit that may be discovered by earthly science in coming in contact with alien technology. I'm Gene Steinberg, the co host, Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. So that's the point, basically. comes back to that again. Yes, in Brazil, in the Soviet Union, wherever, they recover evidence of alien craft, which also means maybe, you know, the aliens are using the lowest bidder in building that craft. That's why they crash. But whatever the reason is, though... We wouldn't learn very much from it. How would we get those inventions into private industry? It almost takes us back to Corso. But the basic issue being here, what would we even understand?
7: That is a major issue. And it's right now, there's a lot of work going on in nanotechnology, for example. And the Nobel Prize was just awarded to two guys whose training was in Russia, incidentally, for graphene. A very peculiar substance monolayer of carbon but it's got a tremendous electrical properties very high strength what i'm saying is here are two totally new areas and whether we learned about these or not from aliens i don't think we did but even if we had who knows what it's going to be like in let's say uh five years with an awful lot of people spending an awful lot of money and using nanoparticles to strengthen metals getting incredible strength and incredible electrical properties, this is, there'll be a lot more. We celebrated the, in 2010 was the 50th anniversary of the discovery of the laser, and it, it's ubiquitous. I like to use that word once every year <laughs> anyway. People say, what's he talking about? Well, it's your supermarket counter, that's a laser that's reading those barcodes, and your CD player, that's a laser that's uh, reading your CD, and you know, there are all kinds of applications. It's an incredible industry. Within 50 years of its original discovery, and the guys who discovered the laser were not the guys who designed the units for the checkout counter. Believe me, they weren't. In other words, application and discovery are two different things, different kinds of skills. But one of the things that you got to take into account is how much money it takes to take that big leap a nice little scientific discovery and what can we do with it, you know. And, you know, if the government controlled the uh, computer business, we'd have a choice of four different companies. They'd have thousandths of the capability of the computer I have on my desk, and it's not a very advanced one. I mean, when I hear about people buying memories with, what is it now? You go megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes, you know, hard drives with umpteen terabytes and speeds of incredible stuff. It's not just a discovery. It's a putting it to practice. Clever guys. For the the common way.
2: axiom common axiom is that computer is obsolete when the first one comes off the assembly line, basically.
7: Yeah. I, you know, uh, you're probably right about that. But I'm not going to run out and buy a new one every year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, here's another question from one of our, our Paracast forum uh, members. I think it goes to a question that was asked uh, last time you were on uh, the program. And uh, the question was about the Gravity Probe B experiments and uh, the results of some of these experiments and the implications uh, for faster-than-light travel, speaking of technology. Are you, yeah, are, are you up to speed yeah, on that particular? I, I, I
7: would, would comment this, that as in every other area, whether it's nanotechnology <laughs> at the other end of the system, so to speak, or speed of light, we don't know all there is to know we do know which is sometimes forgotten by the nasty noisy negativists that time slows down as you get close to the speed of light that's not a trivial effect at 99.99 percent of the speed of light you can go 37 light years in six months pilot time we've had guys in space six months guys and gals i think the gals have finally caught up on that score that's not a trivial thing and you say well how do you go that fast well that uh, large uh, collider over in uh, Europe, the particles are going ninety nine and five nines percent of the speed of light. Uh, it's awful fast, and the time change is very large. Now, I'm not saying we're not going to learn about warping space and time, you know, r- using white wormholes and all this kind of thing. Uh, those are nice theoretical areas. We haven't reduced them to practice. But the fact that we haven't done it yet, We've got a lot to learn. And, you know, as I mentioned, to separate the isotopes of uranium took 5% of the electrical power of the United States uh, at the time. There are other ways of doing it now, but they had to do it then. And so uh, I expect we're going to be learning, but it's not going to be an easy or cheap job to scale up, to go from the little tiny thing and then say, well, how do we move a person? You want to move electrons? Go ahead. How good does that do me if I want to move uh, a spaceship, a family of people to settle on a new planet? I, I should throw one word of caution here. Very often you will hear people talking as if we need to go to other galaxies. I was interviewed on a radio program. A guy said, when I was young, I thought how nice it would be to go to Andromeda. And I realized how much energy it would take. Tell you something, I don't care at all about Andromeda. I'm interested in zeta Reticuli. it's thirty nine point three light years away Andromeda's two million light years away you know uh there's a big difference so let's talk about local yeah, keep and it let's local be realistic <laughs> yeah well yeah, it makes yeah, sense order keeps well well me that, that, that begs
2: the question about a secret space program you know in the uh the gary mckinnon uh the very interesting little piece of information yeah. with a list of uh off planet uh, officers and the like do you think we have a a secret space program. Obviously, the military is involved uh, heavily in space. I mean, that's that's a pretty, I think, uh, easy assumption to make. But do you think that we have a very robust program uh, that is not known to the American people here uh, or the rest of the world?
7: That's a question that I have to put in my gray basket. Not enough data. I would allow for that possibility. And we're talking huge bucks that, uh, what did Cheney say? No, Rumsfeld. We couldn't yeah. account for two. What was it, $2 $2.2 trillion?
2: $2 trillion announced the day after or the day before 9-11. Oh, Strange how we I, forgot that.
7: Yeah, <laughs> I forgot that connection. But uh, <laughs> what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that I would allow for the possibility. Uh, I can't prove it, it doesn't exist. I think it would be a, an enormous secret wouldn't surprise me if we were doing things in secret. The other question that comes up at the same time, of course, is, are we working with the aliens? Because I don't think anybody out there is going to let us get away with roaming around spreading our brand of friendship, hostility, everybody else calls it, without them saying, hey, buddy, you're off limits here. We don't want you.
1: That raises a big question, Stan, which is, do you think that any earthly government has had direct contact with them
7: You know, that's a much more interesting question or my answer would be much more positive than what might have been a number of years ago. Uh, Just to give two examples, both involving Eisenhower, that strange thing about being out in California in Palm Springs and the press couldn't find him and they got very worried he might have had a heart attack. You know, he was playing golf. What what else did he do? Uh, He went to the dentist. uh, Yeah, the idea was he'd gone to the dentist and he was under an anesthetic, and of course they didn't want to release that, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Bill Moore did a, a check on that. He checked in several different areas. One, he found the dentist's wife, the dentist was dead. She knew nothing about her husband having treated the president, which seems a little strange. You'd think that would have been his biggest customer, you know, most important one. Secondly, uh, he checked the medical records of the president, And they keep very detailed records on that. There was no mention of dental work being done. And third, they checked the uh, thank-you notes. Everybody wants to get a thank-you note signed by the president. Thanks for your hospitality during our recent visit. You know, vote for me next time around, whatever the rest of that sentence would be. And there weren't any thank-you notes to the uh, dentist either, which seems very strange. So it is conceivable that that supposed meeting at Edwards Air Force Base, which isn't far from Palm Springs, uh, could have taken place. Art Campbell uh, has done some tremendous work on a story about uh, Ike uh, being supposedly in Georgia playing golf, but the presidential plane uh, actually wound up going to uh, New Mexico.
1: I'll tell you what, we'll get into Art Campbell and that research and where Eisenhower might have gone very shortly. We have Stanton Friedman. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The The Paracast.
18: This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com namecheap. See you online. free.
19: complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209 and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge that's right three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping an $87 value yours free call the Berkey guy at one 886 3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today
11: I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency. And I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation, canning the finest and dehydrated foods other companies just broker canned foods ready reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life ready reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits vegetables dairy products proteins and grains choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan when you purchase from ready reserve foods you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202, or visit ReadyReserveFoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202, Ready Reserve Foods, factory direct, wholesale pricing. America's
6: number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
0: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Notice, Stan, how his voice gets deeper and deeper and deeper every time we do that station break. Stanton Friedman joins us, long-time UFO investigator, perhaps the dean of UFO research, because he's done it for so long. We have Chris O'Brien as the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. And we're exploring what Art Campbell had learned about what Eisenhower might have done. Let's talk further about the story before we look at Art Campbell and whether what he says can be believed.
7: Uh, The story is that he found out from a crewman, uh, I guess, who was on the plane, uh, the president's plane, and then from witnesses who were at Holloman Air Force Base, that Ike went out there when he was supposedly playing golf in Georgia and landed at one end of the airport, uh, landing fields more than an airport there, and there was a UFO at the other end, and there was a meeting between them. Now, I found that he, he pursues things very vigorously, Art does, uh came up with some very good evidence and what I'm allowing for is the possibility. Do I have a record of those negotiations? No, I do not. For people who think that WikiLeaks releases everything. <laughs> you know, I've had people tell me, well, they haven't put out any M J twelve stuff stand. There must not be any. Uh the New York Times said and they're co <laughs> cohorts with releasing data with WikiLeaks, uh of the 250,000 pages, fewer than 5% were classified, and none were classified above secret. The private, I think his name was Bradley, uh, who released that stuff, uh, didn't have a need to know. For And that whole network of people who had access, almost a million people, didn't have access, need to know that we were talking about earlier. There's no top secret stuff coming out of that. So governments can keep secrets. Uh, heck, the Eisenhower Library has 250,000 pages of classified material. He's been out of office since 1961, for goodness sakes. 50 years now, I guess, and uh, we don't have access to that. So there can be an awful lot of stuff going on, memos of meetings, et cetera, et cetera, that we have never seen, probably never will see, uh, unless somebody cleans house, and I don't expect that to happen. So I allow room for there having been negotiations, not only between Ike and aliens, but with people in the Soviet Union, maybe in China and whatever. The stakes are huge here. The implications are huge here. All governments might have been told, hey, you idiots, get your act together. Remember that Bob Hastings has pointed out that there were uh, UFOs over nuclear installations in the Soviet Union. Uh, as well as other places. And, you know, regardless of what the reason is, you know, to protect their gold mining or whatever, they're paying attention. And I think uh, leaders of the planet don't want a war, a big war, uh, and don't want to make a mess out of the planet. I mean, it's one means of population control, but probably not the most effective means.
1: So long and short of it is, Stan, you feel that Some of the earthly governments have had direct contact with E.T. and they really know what's going on, or at least what E.T. chooses to tell them.
7: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying at all that I would expect E.T.'s to fill the years of uh, politicians on Earth with what's really going on. But I think that we need to recognize that were part of a galactic neighborhood. Yeah,
1: but we you know, go to the galactic is, neighborhood, and you've said this before on the show, and forgive me for the interruption, but what about a galactic dimension? What about other dimensions? What about UFOs coming from the future? What about all these other possibilities? Does it have to be E.T. from another star system, etc.?
7: Well, I'm not saying it has to be, and I'm not saying there aren't the other kinds, but we clearly have technological devices Big ones, motherships, space carriers, wherever you want. And little ones run around the planet, you know. So I'm not leaving out the possibility of those other things, but I don't think they're required to explain the situation.
1: Also, well, think- the other question is about the reality of what we're seeing. Are we seeing what's really going on? Is it a holographic projection? Do we look at the holodeck in Star Trek and say, hey, they could... Project things that we could even touch, but it's not really there.
7: I, I will allow room for that technology, but we have enough cases where they show up on radar, uh, where there have been crashes like Roswell and the Plains of San Augustine. We have enough cases of real hunks of stuff, if you will, <laughs> uh, that are around, uh, to say that while there may be other means of cloaking, uh, like I say, how the heck do you go through a window? without breaking a window. I don't know how to do that. Uh, Maybe that only seems that way to the person who's taken through the window. I don't know. I'm not saying that this is all-inclusive. I'm saying we know something about the real 3-D world in which we live. Not a heck of a lot compared to an advanced civilization, but a lot more than we knew 60 years ago, that's for sure. Uh, So I leave room for all that other stuff. I'm not saying only uh, uh, UFOs some UFOs are alien spacecrafts is what I'm saying. If you ask me are some time travelers, I'd say could be. Are some secret government systems, sure. And what about uh,
1: crypto-terrestrials, the theory from such people as the late Mac Tonys, that there is an advanced civilization here. Maybe it came from space, but it's here now, based here now.
7: I found far less evidence for that. Uh, underground, you know, why do you build a ship capable of going up up and away if your base is under the ground? And how do you do it? Where's the technology for manufacturing metals? You can mine them underground maybe, but uh, it's one heck of a big facility. Uh, You know, you look at a 747 for example, and an awful lot of work went into making that metal, refining it, you know, mining it, refining it, shaping it, putting it together. Uh, That doesn't come easy. And so that there have been secret civilizations on the planet. We know that we keep finding a tribe here, a tribe there. And I'm not disputing that. But I don't think that's a major explanation for what people are observing, uh, that are abducting earthlings, that are flying around military planes, that are zipping around hither, thither, and yon. Uh, those seem to be real three-dimensional extraterrestrial. Now, I'm not saying other galaxies. I want to stress that just down the street, some from Zeta Reticula. my favorite place to go. <laughs> if you're going to give me a vacation trip, that's where I'd like to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they don't come from the Goldilocks planet, then?
7: <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so.
1: But isn't it interesting kind of- how more and more we see these developments where we learn about more and more planets that may be close to being Earth-like or at least acceptable within that M planet range you know they used to talk about in Star Trek that maybe these will house beings that can produce advanced civilizations maybe they're somewhat close to us or maybe they're based on arsenic and old lace which well, brings up that other theory ahead. that you've heard about recently
7: yeah well let me go back to something though about these earth sized planets uh, the yeah I want to ask
1: you to do that but we do have to okay. basically we have to communicate with the psychic beings who sponsor this show? Because they will be—they'll be very upset if we don't. We have Stanton Friedman joining us. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
14: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the Earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Fordian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox, plus a bonus free email newsletter. Sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at WebTV.net. That's Mr. UFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know.
20: There are many types of storable foods, but how about a superfood that contains every nutrient that the human body needs for survival? 50% protein. 300 milligrams of potassium per ounce, and calcium and magnesium for your heart and bones, with many more nutrients found in this incredible food source that the government does not want you to have. This product is available in powder, seeds, and oil, and is shipped free to your door in the U.S. This product is illegal to grow in the U.S., but is legal to import. Don't waste time thinking about storing food. Plan ahead and prepare for yourself and your family now, and be in control of your destiny. You can save and invest your money, but in the end, food will be your greatest asset. Remember what the Word of God says in Ezekiel 719. Call 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Remember, food will be your greatest asset. Call 908-691-2608. This product does not contain THC. Call 908-691-2608 today.
17: You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, attended lectures, surfed websites and watched videos you've made liberty your life's goal but something seems to be missing <laughs> stickers from libertystickers.com. exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers that's liberty stickers.com but wait <laughs>
6: Hello. At OfTheField.com, we strive to empower you with wild food preparedness. We get lots of amazing positive feedback, most of which we feature on OfTheField.com. Here's a small sample of all that people like you have to say about the wild food experience. It's
10: inspiring for many who are affected by the recent downturn of the economy.
6: I already knew a bit about
20: foraging and edibles, but you take it to a whole new level.
10: A thousand thanks to you for all that great knowledge. It was empowering.
11: When I was in the Navy, I went through a couple of quick land survival
20: classes.
10: Thank you for being an inspiration and for all the work that you do.
1: I really
20: appreciate the depth and detail of the information. Thank you so much.
10: Much love and respect to you from all of us here in the boonies thanks again knowledge is power and that power brings peace folks thanks
6: for letting us help you get back to basics read all of the testimonials at of you can order online for you and your loved ones or call 1-888-51 eat free to share in the secret Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
7: Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me.
1: Two more segments with Stanton Friedman, longtime UFO researcher. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast, and now you were about to tell us, Stan?
7: Well, there's some very recent work by uh, Dr. Marcy and his associates, among the earliest of the other planet finders, the exoplanet guys. And they looked at a whole bunch of stars, and over 100 of them, they looked at ones that had multiple planets, not just one per star. And what they found was if you tabulate uh, how many planets you have and what size those planets are, it appears that the smaller you get on the planets, the more there will be. And they figure about a quarter of the planets will be earth size. We just haven't been able to see most of them because the smaller they are, the harder they are to see with our present-day equipment. Uh... And, you know, we're, we're getting better at it. But uh, that was a very exciting finding that, you know, there are going to be a lot of little ones, not just Jupiter-sized planets. And, you know, there are over 500 so far, and there's going to be a much greater number than that. And the guys who originally did the work, who first found the exoplanets, were ridiculed. There's no possible way you could see a planet around a star. A star is so bright. It would totally, the light from the star would totally obscure anything you could get from the planet.
1: Whenever science tells us, Stan, you can't do that. That often is even. the proof that you can if you <laughs> just know the right way of doing it and you eventually you figure it out, more or less.
7: Yeah, that's true. And so what I'm saying is that this changes our whole picture. And what, frying sauces represent the next step from going from Gerald uh, old told me to Copernicus, and we finished the job that Copernicus started of taking man out of the center of the universe. We're unique. We're at the top of the heap. Remember, his book wasn't published until 1543, the year he died. So it was banned for 300 years. But they didn't burn him at the stake. That was reserved for Giordano Bruno. And so now we know we're not only not the center of the universe, and we're not the center of the galaxy, and we're not the most advanced place in our local neighborhood, unless you believe that uh, Bishop Usher was right when he said uh, 4004 BC. I think it was October 23rd on a Thursday afternoon, the whole world was created. And we have to point out that he left out about six zeros there instead of 4004, which is 4 billion. 4, you know? But uh, what I'm getting at is the picture that emerges of our even our local neighborhood. And we're just beginning to, wow, over 500 exoplanets. You know that 50 years ago we didn't think there were any exoplanets? We hadn't, hadn't seen any, and if we can't see them, they ain't there. Uh, right? Wrong. we got to change our uh, telescope, so to speak. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, and, and this whole Goldilocks business, there's no question that the press has recognized that the public is very interested in this sort of stuff. Uh, life out there, man not alone, you know, there's no question there's a lot of excitement about that. There's also no question that these guys are all anxious to get funds for more research. Now, I hate to imply that scientists, curses, would try to make a lot of noise about something, like (laughs) the arsenic business that you (laughs) referred to a little (laughs) bit ago, uh, for the idea of getting more research funds, but... I just did a column uh, about that and the use of the word alien. The the column hasn't been published yet, but it should be soon. Uh, Alien excites people, and the press uses it wherever they can, except they don't want to talk about flying saucers. They don't want to talk about alien beings. They They want want to to talk talk about
1: about the aliens from Mexico.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the aliens, the alien life forms that use uh, arsenic. When that article came out, incidentally, in Science Magazine, there are a number of people who rebelled and, and, and published negative comments about it. They thought the research was terribly flawed. This is over in Mono Lake in California, which is a peculiar place anyway. Uh, but it's cut off from water supplies from other bodies so that the level of different elements in the lake is quite different from what it is other places. And they thought the experiments were poorly done, that they hadn't established that the arsenic had been in to the DNA rather than phosphate. there has very high levels of phosphate in that water, too, you see. Uh, but it got a tremendous amount of play, didn't it, from the news media? Yeah. Uh, it's okay to talk about that, but not about flying saucers, folks. That's uh, science fiction
2: well here's, here's another question from one of our, our uh, forum posters this you know we 've kind of covered this ground a little bit before but let's let 's assume for a, a second that the governments of the world, uh, especially the u s and canadian governments uh, governments for instance are are in the dark to some degree about the uFO phenomenon and the question is what cost effective investigative method dealing with this phenomenon would you propose to the u s or canadian governments what a Comprehensive two-year radar tracking pilot observation survey be enough, for instance, or do we need like a Blue Book two, the 2011 edition, to do a better job? That's the question. I think we kind of covered this ground before, but let's let's go on the assumption that uh, that the government is as confused as we are, if not more so, because they know more. How would you advise them to uh, to do an effective uh, job uh, studying this phenomenon?
3: Well, uh, where is this going in is, terms
2: of the research?
7: The first step is easy. Let's look at the data the government already has that we don't know about. Uh, remember General Carol Bolander, one of my favorite guys. Uh, he's the one whose memo resulted in the closure of Project Blue Book in 1969. He had no previous connection with it. He was asked. He had just, he'd worked on the Lunar Excursion Module Program. We successfully landed on the moon. Yes, I do believe we did. In July 1969, and so it wasn't Stanley Kubrick
2: on a on a set.
7: (laughs) No, Uh, he's made many interesting photos on sets, but not this one. Uh, Anyway, uh, Bowenker was asked then, "What should we do about Project Blue Book?" Because the Condon Committee had recommended that it be closed; it wasn't accomplishing anything. They weren't right about that score, but and remember what he said was that reports of UFOs, which could affect national security, are made in accordance with, what's the name of the memo? Uh, Memo JNAP, (laughs) Joint Army Navy Air Force Publication 146, or Air Force Manual 55-11, and are not part of the blue book system. Two paragraphs later, he said, if we close Project Blue Book, the public won't have a place to report a sighting. However, as previously noted, reports which could affect national security will continue to be investigated using the procedures established for that purpose, the regulations. Isn't that now, so nice I, of them? Well, uh, I talked to him 10 years later. At least, oh, more than that, probably. He's dead now, incidentally. I'm checked. Uh And I said, you're saying there were two separate channels of communication? He said, Yes. And so the example I use if a saucer goes down a strategic air command base where nuclear weapons are stored, that's a national security matter. If you and I are standing at the end of your driveway and there isn't any smog around and we look up and see a saucer go by, big deal. It happens all over the place. So what I'm Yeah, but not to you. You've never seen a UFO if I remember correctly. That's right. You're absolutely right. I've never even seen Tokyo. I've never seen a what's new What's your time. motivation? How do you know Tokyo
1: exists? It's just an illusion.
7: <laughs> well, because most of what we know about the world is just an illusion by those standards.
1: Well, you know what's going to happen now is we're going to get letters from listeners in Tokyo, and we have them who are going to yeah. say, how could you say Tokyo doesn't exist? Well, I haven't been there. Stan hasn't been there. I don't think Chris has. You know, I haven't been to Iceland either. You know, I haven't been to Madrid, Spain, but I know it exists because my son lives there and I talk to him every few days. And I said, Grayson, where are you? I'm in Madrid. And I said, how do I know that Madrid exists? And he says, well, check the phone number. It's a Madrid exchange. And, you know, we can just continue and persist in this and talk about the things we believe in and don't believe. I do believe, by the way, I do believe that we have Stanton Friedman with us. I'm positive of that because I dialed his phone number. And it's the same phone number he's right. always had. And I know that Chris O'Brien's with us as co host because I called him on Skype as I always do. And I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in The Paracast. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com.
19: This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats in advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514.
12: and call one
21: Did you know that you can be tracked and traced when you're online? With identity theft and cybercrimes on the rise, your passwords, your identity, and even your physical location can be revealed to complete strangers. Would you like to surf the internet anonymously and not have to worry about these threats? Well, now you can by visiting patriotinternet.com for about $2 per month. Patriotinternet.com will conceal your IP address and your physical location, allowing you to browse the web, send emails, and instant message anonymously. PatriotInternet.com will bypass filters, block sites, and keyword blocking. the gcn radio
6: network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here
0: you're in the podcast. you never know what's going to happen next
1: A reminder, neighbors, we want to hear from you. Write us news at the powercast.com. Once again, that's news at the powercast.com. We're in our final segment with Stanton Friedman. Co host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the powercast. Stan, you are about to pick up on something.
7: Well, yeah, That the first step to find out more is having the government uh, release what it already has. We've had all the good systems for obtaining scientific data about flybys of advanced. Alien spacecraft are monitored or owned or controlled, operated by the United States government. That's in the United States. I don't mean we own what's going on elsewhere. That is the the radar networks, the uh, cameras and radar installations on board military aircraft chasing UFOs, the spy satellites, you know, the NRO and those guys, those guys build satellites. Sometimes they cost half a billion dollars, you know, the ones that can read the license plate in the Kremlin parking lot. I'm told we can do a lot We had Ron
2: Regueron, who was part of that uh, effort uh, in the optics uh, side of that equation.
7: And we have impressive equipment, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> oh, yeah. What I'm saying is, if you want to know more, you've got to find out the data we already have. What do you need more data for when we already have measurements, observations, analysis of wreckage, all kinds of things? Now, it would be nice if we could open that up for the whole world to find out what's going on. Again, the military implications are rather substantial. You know, just as the political ones, when people say, well, we'll hold an election to see who speaks for the planet. Sorry, China has 1.3 billion people, uh, India a billion. The United States only has, what, 309 million. We're not going to hold an election, one person, one vote. But what I'm saying is why do you need to dredge up more data when we already have a huge amount that we don't have access to.
1: I'll tell you what, we're kind of getting to the end of this here, and I wanted to get to some more questions. Anything left in the bin, Chris? Well, other than a
2: question about uh, dealing with alien abductions uh, in a manner suggested by Carla Turner, which is to pray at them and maybe they'll go away. Other than that, I think we've, <laughs> we've emptied the bin. <laughs> I,
7: I think that, you know, there may be an element to that. We were talking earlier about uh, telepathy and mind, mind over matter and all this kind of stuff. When it really got home to me, was when I was standing with Kathleen Martin where the hill case took place, where the craft was 100 feet over the, their car. And Barney's looking through binoculars at the craft and seeing the beings through the double row of windows on the craft. The important point is what he did after that was he got off the main highway onto a secondary road and then went off onto a dirt road out in the middle of nowhere. Now, there is no way in the world Barney would have done that on his own. It's totally out of character. It's irrational. It's illogical. And they wind up on this dirt road right alongside the only area there big enough for a craft to sit down in. And my feeling just standing there was somebody was sending him a message and controlling him and directing him. So, you know, when it comes to uh, abductions, they obviously know how to control us. Now maybe some of us, if 20 of us got together and aimed our mental arrows with our mental slings at the aliens, we might have some impact. Who knows? Uh, there are maybe exceptional people here who are able to really send powerful messages. I don't know. Well, that's so what I won't Stephen rule Greer that plans. That's
1: out. what he's been doing. Coherent well, thought sequencing. Good what old, can I say? Good I don't old know. Greer. You know, well, let's be more coherent here. We are obviously in yeah. the final segment here. Kind of wrap it up here. And is there something anyone can do if we assume the governments know some of these secrets? How do we make them open up their mouths and tell us? I mean, if you go back to the 1950s, as I've mentioned a few times in the show, Major Donald Kehoe was looking for his brand of disclosure. This is in all his books, starting with Flying Saucers from Outer Space in 1950, Flying Saucer Conspiracy. I want disclosure. It's 2011. We haven't gotten it Is the realization that there are possibly inhabited planets in other parts of the galaxy, other parts near star systems, etc., is that part of disclosure or just a natural occurrence of science? Where does it go?
7: I think it's getting us ready for that. I mean, it makes it much more, most people now, I find, believe that there's other life out there in the galactic neighborhood, if you will, in the universe. That wasn't a very popular notion. Remember, it wasn't too many years ago that we were taught that the events that produced the planets in our solar system were so rare, a near collision between two stars, it never happened anyplace else. Now we know, oh, planets, oh, how many of them? we got 500 over here, uh, discovering new ones every month or so. Uh, so times have changed. What I think it would take, and it would be interesting to see if anybody has guts enough to do it, would be the, a tenth the effort that was spent on the political Watergate, breaking that story loose by the Washington Post, spent on blowing the lid off the cosmic Watergate. There's all kinds of data there which the major media have not touched. Uh, look at the blacked out documents, the whited out documents, look at the Bolander memo. And if we could get people who already know to come forward without fear of being
21: punished,
7: you know, amnesty, what's that word? Uh, We don't hear that often, but I'd like to see amnesty for guys. For example, I have had seven stories quietly told me in my travels hither and yon about planes going up to chase UFOs and never coming back. And the government wouldn't want to admit this, of course, that we've lost pilots. (laughs) Goodbye. If we got the facts put out on the table a little bit, They finally did this with regard to – there's a book called By Any Means Necessary by William Burroughs describing 166 military crewmen who were on board reconnaissance airplanes that were tickling the radars of North Korea, Russia, and China in the late 40s, mostly in the 50s. Uh, And those planes were destroyed by the Russians. We destroyed some of theirs, too. We were doing the same thing coming the other direction. None of the families were told what was going on until 2001, more than 50 years for some of those families, when they were gathered together and they were given the medals their uh, sons, brothers, fathers had uh, earned. Uh, There wasn't one word in the public about this. So if somebody like the Washington Post were to make the effort and having to admit that they'd ignored the biggest story of the millennium for the last 60-some years— I think it could be done in six months. And along the way, I mean, the world didn't fall apart when Watergate came out, did it? I don't think so. Or Monica Lewinsky. Well, that was later. That was later. Yeah. You know, that was worth all that effort. <laughs>
1: when Monica Lewinsky came along, we already knew that presidents sometimes stray. You know, we already have the evidence yes. of John Kennedy, that Lyndon Johnson was a pretty wild guy, too. Yeah.
2: So my yes. point is the world didn't end and we all didn't fly off. Uh, I, I think right. this kind of goes back to the previous conversation about, uh, about disclosure. And certainly the government has uh, quite a bit more data. And if they'd only fess up and if we could get, uh, you know, the, the media, the fifth state to, to marshal their resources to get involved, then, uh, you know, that, you're right. I mean, it could be as little as six months, especially with, with people coming forward, especially with some sort of amnesty put in place.
1: Will be an interesting subject, and maybe more on disclosure can be discussed in future episodes of the PowerCast. Stan, you got any books coming out, lecture tours, things we can check out? We've
7: got all kinds of lectures coming up. Uh, Saudi Arabia, I don't think many listeners will be attending that one. Uh, 4000 bucks admission to the conference. But uh, on in Atlanta, the Truth Conference, on February 4th and 5th, uh, I'll be speaking there. I'll be speaking at... International UFO Congress, which has moved from Laughlin, Nevada, to right next to you guys, as a matter of fact. Yeah, in right Gene's backyard.
1: So we're going to have dinner yeah. that day, Stan. You're
7: invited. Oh, okay. And I expect a lot of people will be there. And I'll be speaking at the Oz UFO Conference in late March in Lawrence, Kansas. Don't ask me to explain that title. I don't know what it means. But um, I'll be in Roswell, of course, in uh, first week in July, uh, I'll be at Mufon, Pennsylvania, October twenty-second. I guess it is in Burlington, Wisconsin, uh, the last week in October at the the Burlington Vortex Conference. Um,
1: I think that covers it, and you can check what com to find more of what you're doing.
7: Yeah, yeah, and that lists all the books which you get autographed from me, and Amazon doesn't send you autographed copies of my books.
1: That's to their detriment, but if you order it direct from Stan also, Stan makes a few more pennies on the book. You want to do that. You're right. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, I do have a website, OurStrangePlanet.com,
2: and you can get signed autographed copies of my books there, and also keep up to speed on the San Luis Valley Camera Surveillance Project and other uh, interesting projects that I'm involved with and uh, I want to say uh, again, thank you so much, Stan, for coming on the show. This has been a, an enlightening two hours as as uh, usual and we look forward to uh, having you back and uh, talking about some of the other subjects that we weren't able to cover today.
7: Okay, my pleasure, guys. It's been fun. The Paracast is a
0: copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated.